Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. You may be seated. The scene is one that begins with something that would make for a great read on an overcast, cold day. You know, it's the kind of day that you don't want to be outside doing anything at all. And you certainly want to avoid all the traffic on 202 and 322 and Route 1 and every other road. It's just a day to be inside to read a good book. And so you walk over to your shelf and you pull off that book that you have wanted to read for a long time. And you just haven't been able to do it yet, but today is the day because you're inside. And so you grab that book and you look at the front flap and you discover that the story is filled with drama and political tension. There's a surprise pregnancy in the story and an angel. And you're pretty sure this angel has wings, which is great. And he's part of the story. After settling in a very comfy chair and lighting your fire and grabbing your favorite snack, you begin to read. And immediately you're drawn into the story because nothing happens. (laughs) Nothing doesn't exactly sound dramatic, but it is because you know that nothing is setting the stage for something And that something is remarkable. Before the birth of Jesus, there is an interesting historical scene that just drips with sarcasm. And it's kind of funny. I say kind of funny because I don't think anybody in the ancient world was laughing at the time, but it really is funny. And the author of the book Dr. Luke seems to take great interest in inserting these bits and pieces of humor for our benefit and for our enjoyment. And so you settle down into the chair and you begin to read and you discover the nation of Israel is being described as being under the rule of Roman authority. The Roman government in all of its glory. The world scene is dark. There's not a lot of hope. And there is no joy at all. The ancient world had a way of chipping away at hope and joy and light. And so you keep reading about the nation of Israel and you discover they were given a promise The promise of a Messiah, a rescuer would come at some point to help them and comfort them and bring joy. And so the nation of Israel looked and watched and waited and waited. (laughs) And they waited. And they waited. 
You close the book to rest your eyes for a few moments and you reflect on your own periods of waiting in life and know how uncomfortable that can be. How unsettling that can be as you await an answer or a solution so immediately you can identify with the people of Israel. And so you open the book again and then you find that they had to wait 400 years for this Messiah. 400 years has a way of killing a dream and dashing all hope. So you close the book again because now you need your snack. You need some energy. You shift in the chair a little bit and you open the book to the second chapter and it's entitled Herod. Herod is the ruling Roman authority at the time. And as you begin to read in this book that you have neglected for a long time and you haven't had time to read before today, you understand that Herod is really creepy. He's creepy with a capital C. Herod actually had members of his own family murdered because they bothered him. A few days before his own death, Herod murdered his oldest son because he was threatened by his authority. So as you read, you recognize Herod is creepy. He is not a nice guy. And then you are reminded of one of Israel's own prophets who said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. But it's not what you're observing in the book. Herod, darkness, no joy, and no light. That's the end of the chapter. You close the book and rest your eyes one more time because you actually know what's coming. It's Mary, Joseph, Jesus, et al., at Al. It's the whole gang. They're coming and they will bring hope and joy and light. That's what they do. And so you open the book and get to chapter three with great anticipation of reading about all of these characters that even non-religious people tend to know about as they think about this particular season and this time of the year. Except you get to chapter three and it's entitled Elizabeth and Zachariah. Liz and Zach, and you're like, what? Who are these individuals? But the story has attracted your attention, and so you begin to read about Elizabeth, who is a relative of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and that makes you immediately like her. She has an unexpected pregnancy as well. But she's a little further along than Mary. She's going to have a baby boy. She will name him John. He will be known as John the Baptist. And he will play a very important role in biblical history. And you like Liz. She's a great person. You like her. But who's Zach? Who's this guy? So you turn a few more pages and you keep reading. And you come to understand that Zachariah is the husband of Elizabeth, he will be the father of John. And he's a priest. He's holy. 
righteous, devout. He's a really good guy, a family man. And you immediately like him as well. But then you continue to read and you're like, oh, Zachariah, don't do that. Don't do that, no. But he does. He mocks an angel. He laughs at an angel. And you know it's never a good idea to laugh at an angel of God delivering a very important message. But that's exactly what Zechariah does. And that brings us to the rest of our story. So if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Luke's Gospel and chapter 1. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. The light is increasing as we now have two Advent candles that are lit. The first candle is the candle of hope, and hope is coming. Today, we have lit the candle of love, and that word love is going to be a key word for us. Light is increasing as we get closer and closer to Christmas Day. Here's our big idea for today. I would encourage you to also take out your talk notes, and let's walk through this together. Tis the season for choosing love, there's our key word, over sarcasm. And I think we're all going to learn as we walk through this story that it really is the season for choosing love over sarcasm. And Elizabeth and Zachariah are going to help us see this. So with your Bible open to Luke chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading with verse 8. Here's the rest of the story. One day, Zachariah, there's our guy, He was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. Often we kind of blaze through that, but it's important to know in the context, this is a very prestigious opportunity for Zechariah, and many scholars would say it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a chosen priest to go in to the altar and to burn incense. It's not something that happened all of the time. So this is a really important event for Zechariah. Verse 10 tells us, while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. And if you continue to read the story, you will discover that Zechariah is shocked. That's not supposed to happen. This is a really important event. He has heard about this before. You go in, you burn the incense. This is a holy moment, a quiet moment. Angels are not supposed to be appearing to you and talking, but that's exactly what happens. And the angel declares to Zechariah that your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a baby. You will name him John. John will be great, and he will prepare the way for Jesus. He's going to be the setup guy for Jesus, and he's going to do a great job with all of this. Well, here's how Zach responds. Verse 18, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife 
is also well along in years, and this is where Luke, the author, begins to insert some sarcasm here. Basically, Zechariah looks at the angel and says, that's funny. That's really funny. I am an old man, and I am well past my childbearing years, and my, at least he doesn't say that his wife is old, right? He uses some more sophisticated language here. My wife is well along in years. We are well past having babies anymore. It's just not going to happen. You, you crazy angel, you. You're a funny angel. And I'm probably speculating a bit, but I think he mocks. I think he laughs at the angel. He certainly doubts that this is something that could happen at all. Well, the angel is not impressed. Verse 19, then the angel said, excuse me, human? I am Gabriel. I am a high-ranking official. I am a big deal. I am an important angel. I'm not Clarence trying to get my wings. I already have them. I am important. And guess what? I stand in the very presence of God. And it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. Because you didn't believe me and because you don't think I can arrange all of this, as a high-ranking official who stands in the very presence of God and delivers messages for him, you're not going to be able to speak at all. That's probably good news for Elizabeth, right? You're going to be silent the whole time. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. When Zach's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. Okay, Zach can't speak, but apparently everything else is working just fine because Elizabeth is pregnant. And here's what Luke tells us about giving birth to that child, verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And here's more humor in the story. When her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony, which was part of their tradition, and they wanted to name him Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, 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 his name is John. What, they exclaimed? There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures. They're now playing a game to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zachariah could speak again and he began praising God. I share all of that with you. This humorous, kind of funny story that we don't often focus on in the narrative of the birth of Jesus and the arrival of light. Because before Jesus arrives, before his advent, before the light of Christ, we have Liz and Zach 
and John the Baptist, and it's a reminder that God is always at work even when we think he is up to nothing and when we're waiting and when we're watching. God is always active. He's always doing something and Zechariah helps us to see that. After Zechariah could speak again, he begins to praise God for his son and I believe also for the gift of Jesus who was to come. He also says this, verse 78, because of God's tender mercy. Now get this, because here we have light appearing. Tis the season, right? Tis the season for light. And so here's what Zechariah says. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. Okay, what do we do with all of this? You've got Elizabeth and Zachariah and somebody who mocked and laughed and doubted an angel and then couldn't speak as a result of that, but then the miraculous happened. His wife, who was well along in years, gets pregnant. The baby is born. John the Baptist, the setup guy for Jesus, and Zachariah is able to speak again. And he offers this praise to God about how the light is about to dawn. The light is coming. Tis the season. <laughs> Tis the season. So what do we do with all of this? I have two takeaways. Number one, may we know that God is always working. And we see this, it just comes to life in the text after a really long period of time, after a Messiah had been promised. There's 400 quiet years with no new information from God, but yet, God is always working. He was working in Elizabeth and Zachariah's life and he is working in your life today. God is always active and this helps us to trust him a little bit more. Question for all of us. What in your life right now do you need to release to God during this Christmas season, understanding that God is always working. What is that thing, that circumstance, that pain or even that joy that you need to just release to God, understanding that he is always working? Maybe you're here and you're doubting God a little bit or you wonder about his timing because it doesn't seem like he has come through for you in the way that you want and in the timing that you want. Or maybe you're just frustrated with a God who seems like he doesn't do what you would like for him to do for you and your requests are not unreasonable, they're not crazy. You just want God to show up 
for you. And so maybe you find yourself sitting here on the second Sunday of Advent and you're a little disappointed with God. And to hear that he is working all of the time doesn't make a lot of sense for you because you don't see it. You don't see it. Know that you are not alone in how you feel. You're not alone. As a matter of fact, when you walk through the pages of scripture, you see individual after individual after individual who often question God, where are you? And when will you do something for me? And when will you answer my requests? You are not alone in your questioning of God. And I would encourage you to keep doing that with Zachariah and Elizabeth in mind and the understanding that even when it doesn't feel like God is doing anything at all. He is always active. And again, this just helps us to trust him a little bit more, especially when we feel like he is not coming through for us. So with all of our sarcasm, with all of our jokes and our questions about whatever God may be doing, may our text today in Luke chapter one help us to know God is always active and he is always working. Here's the second takeaway. It is natural and good, I believe, to respond to God's love with praise. That's what Zechariah does after that period of silence where he doubted the angel and mocked the angel a little bit and lost his ability to speak. He offers praise to God. This helps us to respond to the greatness of God. And so the question for all of us is, what time will you take during this season? With all the hustle and bustle and the activity and the things that have to be done, what time will you take just to pause and to get low and to be quiet before God so that you can respond to his greatness and what he has done for you? What time will you take? See, I think we've got to schedule that on the front end of it because life and calendars and stuff and meals and presents, it all has a way of crowding in on our time. And we may allow all of those good things to push out what is best for us, and that is to respond to the love of God. And this is exactly what we find Zachariah doing. He's responding to the love of God for his own provision, John the Baptist, and for the provision of the Christ child who is to come. Just praising God and responding to his greatness. So the question for all of us, what time will you carve out now to just be quiet and get low before God so that you can respond to who he is and what he has done for you? I love how John responds to all of this. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. What glorious words. What encouraging words. Okay, since God is always active, he's always busy doing something, even when we can't see it and even when we don't understand. Since God is always active, and since we 
should respond to him and it's good and natural to respond to him in praise. I think we can choose love over sarcasm. Tis the season, tis the season. Father, we come to you and we're thankful for what we read in Luke chapter one. God, often this story is overlooked. We don't always consider it when thinking about light and advent and the arrival of Jesus. We don't always think about it. So may we use the example of Elizabeth and Zachariah and what happened to them and Elizabeth's choice in all of this and Zachariah's choice to just encourage us with how you are always active and how it is good and natural to respond to you and your greatness. And because you're always working and because it is good and natural to respond to you, we can choose love over sarcasm. Eventually, that's the choice Zachariah made. So may you give us the courage and the strength to do the same. With your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment, I want to encourage you to think right now, what is it that you need to release during this season so that you can trust in God in deep ways. Just name that. Just identify that right now and talk to your heavenly father about what you need to release. Knowing that he is good and active all of the time. And then would you talk to your father for just a few moments about the time you want to take before all of the activity and before all of the events. Just talk about the time you want to take to respond to his greatness. Father, these words in Luke chapter one, because of your tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Father, we are before you today and the light is increasing as we get closer and closer to celebrating the arrival of your beloved son. The candle of hope is burning and we hang on to hope. The candle of love is burning and 
God, because of your love for us and our understanding that you are always at work and it is good and natural to respond to you and to your greatness, we can choose love over sarcasm. So God, however we may be feeling today, I pray that you would help us to look to you. Tis the season. Tis the season. Help us to have our eyes up looking at you, understanding you are always at work, always. And it's good and natural to respond to you. So help us to do that now as we walk through this sacred time. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.